Welcome to the Mile High Podcast. We're your guides through sordid tales of movies, music, and pop culture. Our show is best experienced under the influence of cannabis, so now's your cue to light up. Now remember, drugs are dangerous. Please use responsibly, but do subscribe. And now your hosts, James Thomas and David Hawk. Which means it must be time for the Mile High Podcast. You are watching us on a bunch of different things that Dave got set up for us. And so thank you for tuning in in every way that you can. Uh, I'm going to introduce everybody real quick and I'm going to talk to Dave and then we'll get a little farther into it. With me as always is my buddy Dave. Dave, what's up, man? Hey, I am so glad to be here. It's been a minute since we've had a Mahai podcast and it's really been a long time since we've seen you, Courtney. So welcome back. We, Yeah, Courtney, we talk about you all the time on James's Game because you were the reigning champion of James's Games. Uh, well, and you're really our favorite person to come on the Mile High podcast. So every time you're on here, it's a pleasure. So thank you. Mel and Dave have caught up and they want to challenge you for your title. We actually have a 3D printer now. So I have like a 3D printed gift for okay. you that you they, yeah, as a champion, you can hold one of those. So, uh, Courtney, thank you so much for being on. Uh, but this time we don't have one expert, we have two experts. and. Uh, I've got to let you know, Harrison, the way that this works is that Dave sends me a bunch of information and then I get really stoned all week and I don't look at it until the very last minute. So he has a great intro for you. So here's my professional intro. And finally, we can't have an Ask the Expert show about growing marijuana without somebody who actually grows marijuana. And in the Denver market, there are a few names bigger than our next guest. Our next guest is currently the director of post operations at Clarity Gardens and has been an integral part of Clarity Gardens' ability to provide dispensaries with the highest quality marijuana. And he designed their state of the art dry and literally wrote the procedures for harvesting, drying, curing and storing marijuana. If that weren't enough, our next guest led to the charge on the police education for cannabis related DUIs in Colorado. Without further ado, we'd like to welcome Harrison Zukas to the Mile High Podcast. He put your last name hyphenetically, so I would know how to say it. I think I pointed that out on one show, and Dave took note. That's why he's responsible. Harrison, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm impressed with the amount of background you're able to get. What I do, man. I like I like doing research, and I like writing stuff. So I try to make it sound sound as big as possible. The internet is an amazing place where uh, it always worries me what I think about what our children and our grandchildren will do. Cause I collect old things, old photographs and I like sell them. I do reselling. And I think about old photographs right now, now it's going to be like my, my grandchildren will see my wife twerking in like 30 years. And it won't just be like a fo- photograph. They can watch like a weird ass video of it happening. So <laughs> yep. thank so you. That, that music in the background. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, so uh, how we normally start off the show is we like to talk about uh, some local weed love. I'm going to get mine out of the way because last time Courtney was on the show, she gave me a lot of shit about this. And unfortunately, I was running late. I've been going to a lot of independent dispensaries, but I was running late and I lived near the airport. So I once again went to live well. Oh. I know. And uh, actually, Mel picked it up, and I don't even, it's Cherry Diesel. I have a Cherry Diesel Sativa. So, but we have been getting love to a lot of small dispensaries. There's one on the way Good. to X Park. 
that really enjoys us. Uh, we give shout outs to them. I don't remember their name right now because I'm high and I don't have Well, I love them. <laughs> but they're great. Chef David went and checked it out. So uh, that is my weed love right now. I'm smoking out of my double bold pipe. Why is the pipe double bold? I don't know. There's, there's really, there's one right here and there's one right there. There's no purpose. Air doesn't really flow that great through it. But I broke my steamroller, so I'm stuck with what I'm stuck with. So, um, Harrison, what do you smoke? Where, where, where? What's what do you what do you recommend? What do you smoke? Well, I'm a little biased, obviously. I smoke a lot of our own flour. Um, available at Lova. Yeah, available at Lova. <laughs> and you know, I I could honestly talk all day about what are some what dispensaries impress me and which ones don't. Um, Go for it. Oh, I, I, Give a I shout out to your favorite two. What are your what are the two that you're like? If you if somebody came into town and they were like, I want good bud, and I want a cool dispensary. What are the two that you say try? Yeah. So honestly, the, the first two that come to my mind are Oasis. Oasis on Evans has a really cool store. Uh, tons of product from a ton of different gardens, and as well as concentrates and edibles and, and glass and the store itself is just really uh it's set up in a really cool aesthetically pleasing way especially for someone who's like never come to a, a dispensary before it would be a really cool experience right and, and then honestly and, I, and i'm not just saying this but lova's dispensaries are really cool as well and uh, the store on arapahoe i really like the setup of that store they have a they have like an island in the middle uh surrounded by product on the outside and um, again, like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of different products, a lot of different uh, flower from a lot of different gardens, which I like to see as, you know, sort of a connoisseur. My, my shopping, um, the, the things that I look for in a good dispensary are definitely different than what like an average consumer would look for. So I'm always trying to look at dispensaries from, you know, from that point of view, not just my own point of view as a as someone who smokes a lot and knows a lot about cannabis. Um, right. The practical everyday is it's the uh, wine concierge, you know, the people who you need to be able to explain, figure out what the normal person likes about it. Cause... Right, exactly. Um, and then there's other dispensaries out there that are not maybe as pretty or aesthetically pleasing, but always have really good flower, like a cut above, for example. Um, I mean, their store is like really bare bones. Like it's just a glass counter with, with a bunch of flour in it, but the flour is always amazing and they always have a line out the door, you know, so. Like a dive bar. So every once in a while, well, and I've seen that grow in Colorado from when it first opened up to where it is now. There's much more character to the stores there where at first it was like, we got a space, let's set up, let's sell some weed, let's make this shit happen. Exactly, exactly. A Cut Above is a little more reminiscent of that than say Lova or Oasis, which is, which has a lot more of um, a professional aesthetic to it. Right, Vegas does that too. When I, when I went to Vegas just recently, some of their uh, dispensaries are just crazy. They're an experience on themselves before you even get up to the weed counters. And that's how they, that's how they planned it out, you know? that's. The kind of city you were in, so Denver's getting there though. Denver's getting there though. Yeah, I love it. I mean, um, I I was never impressed with the old school way of buying cannabis, where you, you know, where you check in, 
wait in a lobby and then are, you know, immediately face to face with a, a bud tender who's sort of like trying to upsell you on things. And right. <clears throat> See, for me, the old school way of buying cannabis was in King Super's parking lot at 10 o'clock at night. Look for the gold <laughs> car. Right. <laughs> Anything's better than that, for sure. Right, right. That's it's definitely a move up. Right. Corey, I know you can't smoke where you're at right now because you live with. I did. I did go smoke though. Okay, so so tell us what are you smoking and where'd you get it from? Well, I always shop at my own. Little <laughs> um, I, there are a few other dispensaries that you know I, I like too, but I always got to shout out Loba. Um, but no, uh, I uh, because I I getting over COVID. I've not been like smoking hardcore flour or anything mm -hmm. like that. So I just took a couple dabs of um, some Oleo, some Squava Skittles. I love Oleo. Shout out to them. Um, and I also have some Coda strawberry rhubarb gummies that are one-to-one. -one. They're quite nice. lovely. They taste so good. So nice. That's what I'm doing right now. Very good. And <laughs> Dave, what are you doing? Products? Oh, at Lova Canica. Lova Canica. Yeah, <laughs> Fridays right now in April, we're doing a BOGO 50% off on Coda. You're natural. <laughs> natural. Set up. Dave, put <laughs> set up and you just dunked it in. Dave, what are you smoking? All right, before I tell you what I'm smoking, I have a question for both you guys. What kind of employee discount do you guys get on the stuff that you buy from your own companies? <laughs> or do you have to pretty pay fat. it all? <laughs> a pretty Why fat discount. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say that mine is usually about a 100% discount. <laughs> Right. I want that job. <laughs> I was I like gonna say that. I get a lot of samples and stuff too, so the the yeah. cost may vary. <laughs> nice. All right. Cool. Um, so oddly enough, I am uh, also smoking a Lova Canico product tonight because I stopped at Lova just for the show. Did you go show. to Aurora? Yeah, the one that right next to my store. What do you think? The but remodel? you had Corona. I, it looks beautiful. The Thank you. yeah, I was like maybe Courtney will be there, but then you had the Rona, so I'm glad you Rona. weren't there. But Sorry. your your story looks beautiful. Rona. Got the Rona. <laughs> so I am smoking a Jet Fuel OG mm. from Lova Canico. Greenheart brought to you by Lova Canico. Just off of, <laughs> no more Greenheart. Yeah. No more Greenheart. It's Lova. <laughs> uh, not anymore? Okay, I don't know. Mm -hmm. No, you're good. So <laughs> we're pulling Lova love up in here, it sounds like. So if you were in, where? so tell me the locations. There's one in Aurora. Where are the rest of the Lova? One in Aurora. One off Colfax downtown. Um, more like a bluebird district. And then in the, the other one is uh, near the ballpark. And then we have one in Edgewater and we have a medical only store that's over off six and Sheridan. How do medical only stores do nowadays? Is there a big um, medical only market anymore? There is still a huge med medical market. Um, especially for those old school, um, folks who they've had a med card, you know, since it went, uh, in like whatever, 2009, I don't know. I don't remember the exact year of medical, but they've had it for a long time they're not going to get rid of it. They're looking for that tax break. Um, right. And there's a lot of loyalty um, with med patients. So there definitely is still a huge market there. I, okay. I have a question about that, actually. Do yeah. you, how much of the med patients that you see are what you would call like legitimate medical patients where you feel like they might actually so... <laughs> have a medical need um, as opposed to the people who are just maxing out their extended plan account and sending it to New York or whatever? So we do not accept uh, extended plan accounts for that exact reason is I don't, like many of us don't believe that they're really, there's no medical need truly to get that much cannabis on a daily basis. Like right. we all know what you're doing out there. You know, um, those folks who are just fine with the regular standard plan count. Um, I mean, I have met some people with true medical needs who do need that extended plan count. It's just far and few between, you know, so. 
that's right. why we don't we don't accept the extended plan count also we just can't really support um extended plan counts just with the way that we uh do have our grow and everything right now so right i'm this close to getting my medical card so that i can buy the 500 milligram edibles so i was gonna say that you still have the the diehard edible people who too who they need those 50 plus milligrams to function right um oh, and also you, <laughs> that's what i feel like i'm missing from edibles every yeah. time i eat an edible i'm like i have to eat like multiple of them Mm -hmm. I think it's worth it for that um, alone, you know, uh, and if you, especially if you find a good place with the right prices, like, like, honestly, Lova has a phenomenal, like medical um, edible pricing. That's really kind of what we focused on when we um, changed our prices is just to kind of focus on that edible market, because we do feel like that's where uh, one of the higher medicinal needs is as well. And, and my follow-up question to that would be, do you see, do you see, the regulations changing in the future to allow some of those medical products to just be on the rec side and i could see them maybe expanding to 200 you know copying more of a california model but i don't really see colorado making any moves to change until there was some kind of federal legalization you know we're already functioning the way we are um right. unless we in the industry like petitioned hard like we have in the past to change things like i'm not sure it would Okay, so I should still get my medical card is what you're saying. Oh, 100%, yeah, because it would only increase to like 200 milligrams, I think, at best, you know? Right. Um, so here's a question. Are we, Are we? I see random things and I don't I don't know, like when I was in San Francisco, at least they had a giant billboard that said weed can be delivered. Are we delivering weed in Colorado yet, yes or no? Um, yes, technically. Um, it's legal in Aurora now and it will okay. be legal um, all over the state of Colorado. Um, they just passed a bill. So you're gonna start seeing it soon. It just takes a second for the regulations to really start kind of happening in stores. Cause there's a lot of things that need to get figured out, you know, like a transport vehicle, like all this other stuff. So once we get that all in place, like we will have delivery. Um, Cause I know that's something that we're focusing hardcore on at Lova is to get that running as quickly as possible. Are you gonna have the like, Brinks trucks delivering or something? It seems- What'd you say? Are you gonna have like Brinks trucks or something? No, no, but there, there, where there's like regulations around that, um, that we just, I, I, you do have to have a designated vehicle. Um, it's not going to be like a transport. Like right now, Harrison or I could easily just go drive some weed between our facilities because we have a patch, you know, um, but it won't be the case for delivery. Um, and also there needs to be a metric, uh, integration, I assume somehow for that to kind of process, uh, correctly. So through the point of sales and or through metrics. So uh, there's a lot of like logistical things that need to get figured out. I read an article title that said that Uber was trying to get involved somehow. Mm-hmm. I bet <laughs> I they are. The yeah, I, I bet they try to. I bet them and Lyft would try to jump in on that shit. It's well, our place to be. See that I, ha you know, to be honest, I'm like maybe, maybe I'm wrong about the vehicle thing. I just thought that that was part of the regulation. Is it has to be a designated vehicle? But like, I know Uber. Well, I'm sure California would let Uber get on that, no problem. But. I'm sure with Colorado, that might be a little bit more of a, again, a logistical nightmare because we're always just have that extra edge of making things kind of hard. <laughs> right. You make them hard. Regulation. No, yeah. but it's good. It's good. It's just that like sometimes it's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. And, we, and then we always are the ones they point to that did it right. You know what I mean? Like California, a yeah. bunch of people are trying to do it. They always point back to Colorado. They're like, yeah, they did it right. Um, <laughs> Dave, we're going to skip what we're watching. We're just going to go straight into weed because we're having so much fun on that. We will talk about what we're watching at the end of the show for those of you specifically. Dave, I know he has something you want to say on that. Um, so we'll go into some of our questions, but I, I was thinking about this analogy right before I got on with uh, Harrison and Courtney, and I was thinking you guys are both in an interesting area because I was thinking of prohibition. And I feel like 
and tell me if my analogy is crazy to you guys, but Courtney, you're kind of like um, a bootlegger. <laughs> As it became legal, you're the person who, take, who, who, who who's, who's the first generation of like people who were bootleggers a decade before are now setting up a structure for the alcohol system going on. And Harrison, you would be like a moonshiner of like, <laughs> you guys are really at the very beginning of like an industry that was super illegal in less than like two decades. Do you think that's a fair analogy of what you guys are doing now? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I it's say cool so. About it like that. <laughs> just a you bunch know, of drug runners. Yeah. <laughs> just a funny little story about that. When I was 18, I told my mom that I wanted to work with cannabis. And I was living in Vermont at the time. And she told me that I would never see legal cannabis in my life. Wow. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's, I was thinking about that too. I was like, what a dream. Like, that's a job that, like, those are the kind of dreams you have when you're kids. But in my dream, there was a lot more, like, hiding from the cops and, like, you know, Cheech and Chong, you having a fake pool cover. So I'm swimming <laughs> in the middle type. Like, so it's it's neat to see. And, like, do you guys realize how does it feel, like, important? Because you are setting up, once it becomes legal nationwide, it's an industry. This isn't, like, you're setting up a whole industry right now you are on the forefront of something new you know we 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 public consumption we haven't even gotten into that world yet we're about to get there though baby come yeah. on now that's going legal with the with the delivery oh, I know, that's why i stay in it james it's new it's exciting like everything is like feels like we are just kind of on the front lines of like what's next like how are we going to do this like uh keeps it fast keeps it exciting it's a freaking challenge sometimes but boy howdy nice I'm in it for the fun. <laughs> Constant changes in the regulations and <clears throat> even just the way that the consumer um, views the product is always changing now that it's legal. So yeah, it's, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't, I see myself more as a participant rather than like a, you know, a spearhead or a game changer, but I appreciate you building me up like that. <laughs> it, 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 it's, you know, it's where you are. It's, 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 you people 50 years from now the decisions that are made in, in every aspect of it will look back and be like this is business they'll teach you in business not in law they don't teach it in law you know it won't be like here's bad drug dealers it'll be a business class marijuana business so <laughs> dave i know you got some questions i took over so much of that i made you i couldn't then let you talk about your shows you got some questions in here for our experts today well you know, we were doing a little chit chat before the show and uh, I asked Harrison, like, you know, how did you get into this business? Like, how did you get to where you were? And he said, like, people ask him that all the time. So I'm going to start off with the easy question. Like, how the hell did you get to where you're at right now? Um, and I'll say the same thing I told you, which is a, a lot of that. I will give credit to being in the right place at the right time. Um, and a lot of it is networking as with everything, just knowing the right people. Um, but yeah, I, I came out here, I moved out here from Vermont with the intention of getting into the cannabis industry. And I remember at the time, uh, medical cannabis, this was like, when, when I got my badge, I think it was 2014, like towards the end of 2014. So recreational cannabis hadn't hit yet, but it was just about to. Um, and I remember feeling like, 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 like I thought when I got my badge that I was like a big, bad stoner, 
But when I got my badge and went to my first job and started talking to some of these guys, it was it became clear to me very quickly that I had no idea what the fuck I was talking about. Am I about to swear? Oh, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we literally have fuck in our titles, our, our uh, narration before the show starts. We actually say that we say it more often. The show intro says, and we say fuck a lot. And then I listen to some of our shows, and I'm like, we really don't. Like, we <laughs> underplay. So, if you want to use it up, that's perfectly fine. So, just okay. know, you know, fucking Jackson. Go for right. it. Um, anyway, so I, yeah, I applied to an entry level trimming position at a company called Cloud Nine, which eventually became M. Hardeen, which for a while there was a really big, uh, cultivation and management company which um they were they were working for gardens like light shade frosted leaf uh buddy boy basically if you bought cannabis at any of these dispensaries it was really grown by m hardine uh within light shade or buddy boy's garden um so i worked with them for a few years and that's really where i learned most of what i needed to know to move up from there and uh if I'm going to drop some names right now is the time, which would be uh, Todd Golden is probably the number one guy who taught me the most about metric and compliance and um, really sort of helped me get the step up to move from being a trimmer, which is what I was to management to more logistical and administrative stuff. Um, And then also just really, I would, I would give myself credit for having that initial passion. Like when I realized that I didn't like that, I thought I knew what I realized I didn't know. I, that sort of, um, at first it was really intimidating and it, and it was almost like, fuck, I'm too late. Like I, I got to the party too late. Um, but for anyone that's thinking of getting into the industry, it's definitely not too late. And it wasn't too late then. Yeah. Um, and so I just learned as much as I could, as fast as I could. And, you know, I really wanted to, I wanted, this has been my dream. My whole life was to, was to get into this industry and, you know, hopefully one day have my own garden. And uh, so, yeah, I'm on the way right now. See, that's cool because, and like you said, most people, they, when they think that they're, when you feel like you're at the top of your game at something, or you're like, you're on the best, like you said, the best stoner out there, you're the number one stoner. And then you meet people <laughs> There is that intimidation factor. You're like, well, fuck, I'm out. You know, like, <laughs> clearly, clearly you're better at this than I am. I'll go figure something else out to do. So, yeah, it, there's a persistence in that. And I knew a lot of people who had the exact same dreams that only got so far because they weren't willing to do that little extra step. I have right. a question. Do you yeah. have room in your industry for one 40-something person with lots of management experience who currently runs a coffee shop? Dave, yes. All right. Yeah, that's a good question. Let's talk. That comes from our YouTube <laughs> listeners. I'm just uh, you're part of the industry. That's just that's having the that isn't this is Dave's mom. <laughs> uh, actually, we funny enough, we do actually have a question from Facebook. Uh, how ready is our supply? Um, how ready is our supply from uh, going national, like being able to fulfill uh, national legal uh, legalization? Oh, Colorado can't do it. No, I mean, like, you know, like Alabama, they go legal. How quickly can they like grow enough stuff to supply their. Oh, their entire state. It would depend on how quickly all the right. Like, so that that's, it depends on the regulations in the state, you know? So like what, what they need to go through to get that grow ready, you know? Um, And then 
Harrison, you should, sorry, talk. <laughs> oh, you're fine. You, you, but you, you, but I, like, you know, it, it's going to take like at least three to four months after that for the plants to get to the shelves. Like it, <sighs> it, 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 it timed with construction and all that to get like everything, you know, yeah. good to go. I'd be super impressed if somebody got a license and was able to get cannabis on a, onto somebody's shelf within four months. Yeah, um, it would probably take like that's, six that's to a year. Great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If especially if you're starting from the ground up. Um, Is it like, because I would imagine structurally it would be better if a state went medical, you know, people want it to be legal right away, but if you have a pre-existing medical marijuana industry in your state, does that increase the speed and ability to get started? Oh yeah. If there's some sort of pre-existing market, absolutely. <clears throat> um, what Courtney was saying about the regulations also plays a really big part into that. A lot of these states, when you see them come online with legal marijuana, they only give out so many licenses or they, you know, they'll do these weird things where like they'll space them out where only X amount can open in this yeah. time. And then X... it'll be like a lottery system. It's weird. Right. Like I think it's, it's an interesting question because I think it's very possible for if, if, if somebody did it right, if the states were to do it right, like right the first time you could absolutely have states that were providing cannabis within four months, like Courtney was saying, of, of uh, legalization. But a, part, a big part of that is the regulations and how, how quickly they allow people to, you know, move forward with their licensing and yep. per permits and whatnot. It's, it's a lot. It's a headache setting up a garden. It's a, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah. And then the dispensary side too, like there's a lot that goes into that as well. The interesting um, there's been point a lot about that Oh, I, was sorry, I was gonna say there's been a lot of talk about capping potency limits uh if we go to like a more <laughs> are they gonna start enacting these potency limits That's the my lead experts started heard. laughing at me so but i'm assuming my no, question is hilarious we're laughing because testing as we both know are kind of a joke sometimes um right. especially for flowers specifically um that that would just be so silly it would it makes no sense to me to me that's that's like a suburban soccer mom thing that they're trying to please those that audience for some reason same, same there's there's a lot of regulations that we still have that only please that audience that don't actually do anything to practically um, protect the consumer for yeah, example yeah. limiting gardens by their plant count that actually does nothing to protect the consumer but for some reason, like that, that audience, this, that soccer mom is like more um, comfortable knowing that we're limiting the number of plants that the garden can have. Yeah. And also like knowing that potency is like put on there, you know, but there's uh, so many things that can be done to manipulate those results. Yeah. Don't so. get started on the testing <laughs> regulations. Like it's the, the testing regulations in Colorado are, are, I mean, it's, I think it's really great and it's important that we have them, but right now in their current iteration, they're pretty fucked. Yeah. Does that so mean accurate is, you don't have a federalized on the sticker? I'm sorry. What was how that? accurate are the potency uh, percentages on those stickers that you get? Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> it, they're, they're not, I'll just put that as like a, I mean, you, you could be within uh, a range and I think some places probably do better than others as far as like, maybe taking a consistent sample or a, a compliant sample, I should even say. But there's also the, the way that the potency samples are tested in the labs, which is <clears throat> basically 
when when you see that percentage, what that number means, like say you have 25% THC, what that means is that when that bud got to the lab and they tested it, by volume, by weight, 25% of the bud that you gave them was THC. The problem with that is that marijuana is naturally wet. It's a plant. It has a lot of water in it. And so when you measure against weight and, and you have moisture inside the bud, you're also measuring against the water weight. And so if you were to take the same bud and cut it in half and dry out one half and not the other, you would get wildly different potency results from the exact same bud. And so <clears throat> when you send a sample in, a lot of places will dry the shit out of their bud first because they know it's gonna increase the potency. But the fact of the matter is it's still the same bud. It's still the same potency, but you would get a different number if you sent in a drier version of the same bud. Yep. Um, and so it's my opinion <clears throat> that the, the way they could fix that very easily is by requiring the labs to remove all the moisture from the bud before they test it. And then on the potency label, instead of just having X potency, it would read at 0% moisture X potency. And then it would be more of a, an even playing field where you don't have, where you're not just like, <clears throat> for, for me, someone that is in the know and knows this, when I look at a potency, I'm like, okay, well, did they just dry the shit out of this? Is this actually 27% or is it 17%? Because you could get a range like that. Um, is that why a federal regulation would help as far as like if it went federally? Because it sounds to me like all these potency and the regulations that you're dealing with are Colorado-based regulations. Would you be dealing with the same things in Nevada and California or do they all doing their own things? There's no consistency across the border, right? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I know that like when I, when I go out to California and I buy, I buy cannabis there, a lot of a lot of those guys are, I, it's still sort of like the wild west. Like they don't, <laughs> like some, some stuff's tested, some stuff isn't. The, the bud tenders don't really know half the time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely different. As far as like the testing methods go, I imagine they would be the same. Like the yeah. way that they test for potency out there, it's probably the exact same as they do in Nevada and the exact same way they do out here. Um, and as far as like, do I think that we have more hope with federal legalization? I, I try to stay optimistic, but like, <laughs> So like when I see these other states coming online and the rules that they're implementing that absolutely make bonkers no sense at all, it it definitely uh you know where you, that Colorado could be farther than where the federal mines are right now, basically. Right. It creates some hesitation. I can see that. Okay. Yeah. For, for example, in New York, I don't know if any of you have looked at what they're planning on doing with their taxes, but right now they have four different taxes that you would pay on your cannabis. And one of them is a THC tax, which is going to be purely on purely on the milligrams of THC in the product. Oh, huh? Just stuff people like are going to be trying to get eighteen <laughs> percent. Yeah, we like our sin taxes in this country, man. You know what? And we we've milked all we could out of cigarette smokers and alcohol, and so we're going to tax the shit out of weed. And Colorado did, and I got to admit. With the very beginning, I voted every single time. I think this is the last time that I didn't vote for a tax because I was like, I want the rest of the states to know, like, we this isn't us just wanting to get high all the time. We're serious. We want to use the money for good things. There's a lot to it. Uh, 
But that yeah, doesn't yeah. surprise me. They're going to tax the shit out of every chance they can get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we do have a good tax, taxing uh, regulation system here, but the, it's still, the way it's applied is still a little, a little bonkers. Like we're, we're, cannabis is in Colorado is the only industry that has to pay taxes before profits. So like we, we, we pay 15% state tax right off the top, even if we make no money at all. If, we, if we're selling our cannabis at a loss because the market's low, we still have to pay 15% of that sale price right off the top. Oh, um, and that's, and that in itself is a lot of the reason why a lot of these companies go under is because it's hard to operate at a profit right away. Mm-hmm. And then you're paying these taxes and it, and it gets a uh, very burdening. See, that's crazy. Uh, well that, well, do you think Dave, do you have another question? Yeah, actually, we have a couple of questions actually about the growing side. So I'll kind of uh, steering off of the legal side. And we're going to come back because I know you do something really interesting with uh, the Colorado weed DOI limits here in Colorado and uh, do a lot of education for the police department. So we're going to come back to that kind of towards the end. But we're going to get into some actually some actual growing questions. Uh, A question was growing cannabis is an art. What are some of the biggest challenges to growing your weed? Um. You know, what I tell people is that growing good cannabis is really easy. Growing a lot of good cannabis consistently every time at a commercial scale is not easy. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's much more difficult than taking care of a, a few plants at your house or even a dozen plants at your house. When you're talking about thousands and thousands of plants, keeping in a production cycle, Keeping on top of the inevitable pro- inevitable problems that occur, it's um, it gets crazy. I, I describe it to my coworkers as running downhill sometimes. Like <laughs> like you're you're when you're running one of these gardens, it feels sometimes like you're sprinting downhill. And if you trip or if something gets in your way, you're just gonna crash. And uh, yeah, I could I could go into more specifics about yeah, like. like- Go, uh, go through the, the process from like seed to dispensary. Like what are all the processes you have to go through? Um, so we don't grow from seed. I would, I would, most places do not grow from seed, uh, mainly because you're going to get a lot of unstable genetics inconsistencies in the finished product. And it takes a lot longer than growing from clone. So we grow everything from clone. Um, I, Coincidentally, we just partnered with a breeding company, so we will be we we will be growing from seed eventually uh, here, which is called pheno hunting. Actually, when you pop different seeds, you get different phenotypes of a plant. Um, it's not like growing from clone. So when you grow from a clone, when you take a clone, that that plant will grow up to be an exact replica of the plant that it came from. It will it will be it is literally the same plant. Uh, when you're growing from seed, it's not like that. Um, you can get some really stable genetics that have been bred out to like F29, F30 that will come out very consistently with the seeds, but you're still going to see um, phenomenon and, and different stuff happen with your seeds, even from the same exact parents. <clears throat> and that's why you see strains that have numbers at the end. That, that usually means that, that, you know, if you see like I-95, that means that you know, he probably had, that dude probably had hundreds of phenos and he picked out certain numbers, you know, they're, it's all the same strain, but he numbered them from one to a hundred, picked out 95 because that was the best one. 
that's usually what that number means when you see a, mm -hmm. a, a strain with a number at the end that's the phenol number oh i know that's pretty cool learn something learn something yeah. here today um, yeah so how do you guys come up with the different strains because like there's some crazy names out there and i know that's like you know from the different <laughs> lineages that they come from like so how do you just decide like i'm gonna put this strain with this strain and see what comes out some some people are so passionate about the naming like 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 not in a good way like they get mad if you like <clears throat> aren't using two words from the original names in the new name you know what i mean mm. some purists uh <laughs> as far as like picking the names go, like I, I just try to have fun with it. And like, yeah, you want to have some relation to something, you know, relevant to the outcome itself, but I'm not a purist in that it should have the parents' names in it or anything like that. Um, I don't think there are many purists anymore. I feel like more people have fun with it. Right. At the same time, I see their point of view where it's like, you see some random ass strain name and you have no idea what the genetics are behind it because they're you've never seen those words used in a strain before um so i could see how that could be a little jarring to somebody who's used more used to like seeing the word durbin in the strain and knowing that durbin poison is in that strain you know right see but for some people like our co-host my wife she will come out and i know if she goes in and gets weed whatever she's coming out is going to be the cleverest name it doesn't matter what <laughs> it was it literally She's, she's like, no. Robert Plant. Right. <laughs> that's that's what I'm gonna get. Whatever the cleverest name or the fruitiest sounding name is. And and she says it all the time. She's like, I just I just whatever sound has the best name out there. Hey James, we got some uh questions coming in from YouTube. So for the this is a very exciting for we've only been on YouTube for uh maybe like three shows, and so we're getting some uh, great feedback from our folks on YouTube. Uh Harrison. Claire Z asks, what's your favorite strain to grow and why? Also, does Harrison have a sister? Because if he does, I bet she really cool. That's my sister. Claire Z is my sister, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, a favorite I strain to grow? I, that's a tough question, Claire. I, there's easy strains to grow and hard strains to grow. And really all I care about is the finished product. Um, Mainly because these days I'm not back there getting my hands in the dirt. I don't have to worry about if it's difficult to grow. <laughs> uh, so I I don't know. I, I I have my favorite strains, but it's mostly what uh what I like to smoke. As far as like in the garden, it's so funny because I'm in the garden all the time. But what I like and what I consider cool is not what people would even think about. Like my favorite strain to grow would probably be like the cooler looking ones when they grow. Cause they, cause they looked all the different strains grow so differently from each other. And every now and then you'll get one. that's just like, Whoa, like that looks like aliens bred that thing on Mars and somehow brought it down into our garden, you know, like nice Thanks for the question, Claire. So <laughs> my mom and dad, they're avid uh, watchers and sponsors for Chucky Pacific and the mile high podcast. And they are coming in with a question. Uh, they said, okay, basic question. When you grow indoors, they say you have to have total darkness. How does that translate to growing outdoors? And how does that work? Um, you know, that's a really good question. And I've, I've honestly, I'll, I'll say right off the bat, I don't really know the answer to this. I've asked a lot of gardeners, like, why do we, why do we worry so much about the tiniest light leak in our garden but the full moon outside is way brighter than that little light leak. 
and I've, and I've honestly never gotten a good answer. So I don't really know um, why, why that is, but it does seem true that like in our rooms, if we have a tiny ass light leak, it can have disastrous effects in that room. Interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, so yeah. Another I question. I wish I had a better answer for you. That's okay. We appreciate it. And um, another question coming in from YouTube. Uh, Packrat asked, "What's the highest THC level you guys have grown?" <laughs> Going um, back to your question about potency. We. I don't even like to brag about this number because, again, I'm not. I don't care so much about the potency range and I think it's all BS, but we, we, one time we had a strain that where the plant was really stressed out and it wasn't doing well at all. And oftentimes in that situation, they will produce a lot more THC. And, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier, where it's actually really easy to grow a really good pot. Cause if you fuck it up, it'll actually, it could become danker because of that. Um, diff, different stressors can cause, your plant to start producing more resins and terpenes and THC. And obviously that's a good thing for the end consumer. Um, if you don't care about your yields at all, it's a, you don't, you don't, you might, you might accidentally grow some really good weed. Um, I forget, I forget what the original question was. Sorry. Uh, what was the highest uh, potency oh. limit or potency uh, of uh, cannabis that you grew? Oh yeah. So anyways, that strain was 41% THC. I, I should say though, first that that was before they changed the regulations where um, there, so you have THCA and uh, Delta nine THC and one of them gets you high and one of them doesn't one of them converts into the other and i'm and i'm spacing out right now which it is i believe it starts as delta nine and turns into thca might be the other way around um but they used to allow you to combine those two numbers when you tested your cannabis because every because you will get some activated thc which is the thca which is what gets you high in your dry bud before you burn it but when you burn it that's what activates it um and so that, that's why that number was higher. We probably could have beaten that number by now had they still allowed you to combine those two numbers, um, but they don't anymore. But, but recently, just today, actually, I got a 34% THC result in um, for one of our new strains, the Alien Rod Candy. So, wow. so when you um, harvest your, your stuff, like, do you already have um, shops that you're going to say, I'm growing this. It's amazing. So I'm going to go out to my partners or do like, they just like order, like, give me all the good stuff and I'll, you know, tip you a little bit extra on the side or something. Like your sushi market or something. Um, There's different gardens that do it different ways. And we're sort of transitioning right now, honestly, from one to the other. We used to be more a la carte where like, basically I send out a menu of what we have every week to, to everyone I know. And, and first come first or whoever picks what they want first, they get, they're the ones that get it. Um, recently with this breeding partnership, we've been doing a lot more um, focused efforts on helping our partners differentiate themselves by having exclusive or semi-exclusive control over a genetic. So we're not selling the same thing to them that we're selling to their neighbor. Uh, and and that, that, that will help them differentiate themselves in the market. Um, you know, it, it doesn't do any, it's a disservice to our partners when I, when we do that. When I sell the same thing to Courtney that I sell to her competition across the street, 
I'm not really helping her or her competition in that case. Um, and so that's why we're moving to a model of exclusivity. Okay. Um, I, I here's a question for you guys, for both of you guys. Uh, the independent, like, homegrower for personal, like, consumption. In general, is that something like your levels of the industry are like, yeah, that's cool. I'm good with it because it's a big enough field right now that people growing their own weed at home isn't a big deal to me. Is it something you like, something you don't like, something you, you're just indifferent to? Well, let me, let me say this. Do you brew your own beer? No, but I know people who do. Right. And do you think they're putting a dent in the market? I do not. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I grow Roll cannabis off and on, but it's not that easy. It still takes yeah. up a lot of time. And, and now that I know all the work and effort that goes into quality flour, I have no problem paying for it, you know? Yeah. So we do the work for you. <laughs> we do that. I completely work. agree. That's why I don't grow my own tomatoes. I can very easily grow tomatoes, but it takes a long time from when you put a tomato seed in the ground to get an entire tomato plant. You got to peel them off and wait for them to grow. I yeah. much enjoy other. <laughs> so you know, I love growing vegetables and stuff, but like plants, man, they they are finicky little bitches sometimes. So. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so I'm gonna, Courtney. You have a question. Uh, coming from YouTube from Michaela Consolini. Great fucking last name. Uh, she says, hi, Courtney. How do you feel? Uh, how do you feel as a woman in the industry? Do you feel there is good gender parity or is there room for improvement? Uh, I'd say room for improvement. You know, we, we used to be a pretty female dominated um, uh, industry. And unfortunately, uh, with all the shifts in the industry, there's been a lot of uh, white tie or like, you know, the, the white collar is what I was trying to say. Men kind of coming in and uh, just taking over the industry a little bit. So I do think there is some room for diversity. However, there are some really badass women in this industry still who are trailblazing. Um, so, the, um, so this is, I'm also, the edibles are kicking in and I cannot remember her name, but she, <laughs> she she's a genetic. Um, Love in Her Eyes is the company's name. Um, and I'm spacing her, her name. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Um, but uh, she, I've never actually met her in person. So, um, but she has a lot of genetics that she's just taken like super good care of. Um, and you'll start seeing them at Lova stores soon. Um, but she, yeah, she, she knows what she's doing. But there's so a lot have, of us. <laughs> I have a, a question, another question for you, Courtney, and I'm going to go back to you, Harrison. We have, you know, I have questions coming in from everywhere, so this is awesome. Oh, um, my job's getting so easy right now. I know, I'm man. You're just like roll, sit back, just like I'm going to roll another joint. So I don't have to do any talking. You get paid the same. Doesn't right. matter how much you talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm paid the same no matter how much I talk. Nothing. Uh, so, Courtney, <laughs> my mom wants to know. My mom loves you, by the way. Like you are part of our family. Or something. <laughs> I think Harrison, I think we just became best friends. So you're also part of the family. Like we will bring everybody into the neighborhood here. Um, my mom wants to know, you know, what do you feel is more damaging to the lungs? Strong flowers, extracts, or distillates? Ooh, you know, <laughs> probably just the straight uh dab straw dabs to the back of the throat. Honestly, those are thick sometimes. <clears throat> um 
I think it really depends on how you're smoking your flower, you know, like there's going to be some resin and stuff that flies through like with the joints, you know, those paper things only do so much. So like if you are truly concerned about that, I would always just kind of skip to something that has something with water filtration and change your water frequently. Um, and that's the best way to just kind of, you know, have that little bit of filtration to um, get it out. But I wouldn't recommend like a bubbler or anything like classic, you know, bong or dabrig uh, to kind of get it. But otherwise, um, yeah, it's all, it's all kind of, it's all smoking at the end of the day. So <laughs> take that side, as you will. <laughs> I got a side question for you. So on our uh, 420 episode we had on Tuesday, we talked about our favorite bongs or our favorite <sighs> smoking pieces of all time. Yes. Uh, I'm going to, Courtney, what's your favorite smoking piece of all time? And then we'll go to you, Harrison. Uh, dude, straight up. I just love bongs. I really do. I have this amazing bong that I've had forever. It was like one of the biggest things that I've ever per- like one of my first purchase pieces. It has a grenade. I take good care of it. And I just fucking love that thing. I do. I love just filling up a bowl. I don't like party bowls, you know, filling up one just massive hit and just ripping it. Ugh, classic. I just love it. Classic. <laughs> what about you, Harris? Um, tough man i honestly i don't smoke out of glass anymore i i exclusively smoke joints <clears throat> which i think is probably in, in my opinion the the unhealthiest way to smoke um <laughs> but but i've had besides blunt wraps blunt wraps definitely worse um i've yeah. had some glass in my life that i definitely grew pretty attached to um i think probably my first bong i it's funny because i we broke it three days after buying it but I'll never forget that bong. <laughs> it was great. And we spent way too much money on it. You know, as my brother and I, we pooled our money together. It was like a $300 bong for like, you know, I think I was like 16 or 17. It's a big what deal. What was the devastation like when, they, when you saw the pieces laying on the floor? I was so pissed. I had left and I came back and, he, and my brother had put it on the floor next to him in a chair. And he spun around and, and knocked it over. And broke uh. it. No. I was so mad. <laughs> did you name her before she died? I, I don't think we ever did, actually. She's too she was too new for a name. That's so sad. Uh, that's yeah. why I'm glad I've never named my big bong, because all my named bongs died. All of them. <laughs> that, that is definitely true. I have a name, Hookah, that he just traveled with me, but he's barely usable anymore. You know, every <laughs> once in a while, you bring him out for specific pulls. I used to have a humidifier, or... or I. I used to have like a globe that you put weed in the middle of and it heated up. I bought it in like the late nineties and it like smoked slow over a very small amount of time. I never found that thing useful. It was probably a piece of shit looking back. I don't think it was real. Dave, do you remember what I'm talking about? That globe, the, uh, uh, kind of like a, like the dragon ball Z or like a pokeball almost. Yeah. 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 And you just turn it on, you put like a little butt in the middle yeah, of it. It's kind of like a vaporizer almost. Yeah, like, it, yeah, it, it tried to be a vaporizer, but I just never feel like it burned my butt because yeah. I never blew out any kind of smoke out. But then they, all the butt would be crisp. And so I'm like, I don't know what just happened there. That just, I don't know. That was a waste of bomb. All right, Dave, you have more. Right, getting back to questions, uh, we have a question coming in from Facebook from Laura. Um, I used cannabis during my breast cancer treatment, and I was bummed to find out my anti-cancer hormone therapy um, is less effective if I use CBD or cannabis. So I refrain from using and will wait until I'm done with her treatment. Uh, my question is, what would be a good mild strain to try when they can start resuming CBD and cannabis? 
Uh, I don't know if you would answer to that, uh, Harrison, but I, I mean, I, I'm no doctor, but I would probably try to stick to something that's uh, a little bit, uh, probably lower in THC and see if you can find somebody who does any type of terpene tests. Um, so that way you can actually see, uh, some of the, the effects that of that, uh, those terpenes, um, you, I, you would probably need to research the terpenes that would be best for you, but there are more and more, um, companies that are getting terpene tests for their cannabis. And that way you could actually kind of have a little bit more of an insight to the actual, um, like break down the compounds within that specific strain. But Harrison, do you have a, that's a good answer. Just to add on to that, I would suggest like, uh, like she said, a low THC strain. If you, if you sought out like a CBD strain, they're usually, there's usually a little bit of THC in there, but that's where you would find like the lowest amount of THC is in a CBD strain that, you know, maybe you'll see like yeah. seven or 8% CBD and five or 6% THC, something like that. Like a Canatonic or a Harlequin. That's a couple of strain yeah. names that I know. That are, yeah, we actually have one called Pineapple Taffy. That's a, that's a CBD strain. It's quite nice. Um, it's a hybrid technically, um, but it, uh, it, it has a nice, nice fruity taste. Uh, right. It is like 15% uh, CBD actually, but it's only like 8% THC. You know, all this, the strains that I just mentioned and the one that you mentioned, like you said, are, are all fruity. All, all the CBD strains I know are really fruity. Hmm. That's so, a good point. Yeah. yeah. I like fruity. Just something to note. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. I would expect it to be a little bit more like, you know, I guess earthy because <laughs> straight, right. like straight CBD flower. Have you ever smoked just like hemp? It's one of those hemp yeah, things. or if you ever looked at it, it's usually not the prettiest flower. Like CBD flower, you might look at it. This, this is yeah. This quest, the person asking this should know it won't look too pretty. <laughs> That's normal for CBD flower, or to be like kind of brown, maybe. I don't know. Right. Yeah, ours isn't. Ours is a brown. It's more purple. It's just like honestly, the um, it in the breakdown of it is that there's kind of like smaller buds. It's not as um commercially pretty. I would say typically, right. but there are people who do grow it well. I do have a follow-up question though. So CBD is like the new white claw. It's like everywhere and everybody, all the housewives are like all about CBD. So they get all the shit, like the CBD rubs and the, like how, how much of that CBD products that are out there is bullshit and how much of the stuff out there is like legit, like will help you medically. Personally, I'd say there's a lot of snake oil out there because the people know there's a market for it. Um, uh, that's why I think that uh, way you won't you don't see them as much now, but I think going forward you will as more um, dispensaries starting to carry um, some just straight CBD product now that we can that uh, that changed this year. Um, so I think that'll be better for people who are actually trying to seek like a solid source. They'll know that if they're buying it through a dispensary, it's actually been vetted um, as opposed to like your counter on the like liquor store. Like you have no idea where that crap came from. Yeah. Your 7-Eleven CBD, <laughs> like a hundred percent can't, depends on where it's sourced from. And like, also nobody tells you, but like, if that's a lot of plant matter, you're just getting like plant matter it's not necessarily like it's more of like a supplemental thing like sure it's good for you like hemp seed's good for you you know it's not like yeah it's important to note that there's also not strong regulations around that so it's easy to create a, a bullshit product yeah so courtney we gotta uh, i have your favorite question of all time coming to us from pack red on youtube should i be shopping for weed by the terpenes and not the thc content courtney gun go yeah shop shop in literally for anything but thc content like what what do you like to see what do you like to smell um if they terpene tests are just now kind of becoming more frequent um you're not going to be able to shop specifically by that um unfortunately quite yet um there are dispensaries that cater more to it like 
Loba, but you're not going to be able to get it for everything because it totally depends on if the grower tests for terpenes. So I always says the nose knows. Corona kind of changed that, but um, talk to your bud tenders. Your bud tenders should know like the profiles of this flower and just start to know what like you personally like because um, it all depends on those effects, like that, what's going to actually get you high. Also, the bud tenders smoke the product. They know what's good versus what doesn't. So like just find a dispensary that you trust and like just develop a repertoire, learn what you like, and then ask the right questions. I, I like the nose nose saying. For mm -hmm. me, when I, it's really when I smell f some flower, some concentrate, I know if I want it more than the next one. You know what I mean? Like you smell and you're like, yeah, that's the one. Like, yeah. It's kind of like Harry Potter. The big, mag the big magnifying glass. And you get to look <laughs> at it. Every time I would get like the, the buds with like the, all the, the shiny crystals on them, like, cool. Like, it's beautiful like i don't know if that's good or bad i'm assuming good there's a lot of crystals on it yeah sometimes what looks like crystals is actually wax like uh, uh waxy lipids that are encasing the uh the thc molecule itself <clears throat> and it might look really frosty and good but then you look at the potency and this is where it is a little relative and you're like oh that's 20 or less and it's because it's not THC, it's those waxy lipids, but it looks great. Like a strain that's notorious for that would be like wedding cake. Like when you look at that, like the, that's like covered in waxy lipids and it looks fucking amazing. And, even, <laughs> and, and I still am like, damn, I'll smoke the shit out of that because that looks fucking <laughs> sweet. Um, but, but that's not THC. It's not getting you high. Um, yeah. Beautiful. I, I've been I, disappointed by vision before. You know, smell, right. I've almost never been, like, you're right. Smell, I've almost never been disappointed. I may not have gotten as high as I wanted to, but I very much enjoyed smoking that weed. You know what I mean? Right. Vision, vision has disappointed me more than once. Right. Yeah, it'll do that. Well, some people just grow to, for it to look like nice and tight, but they don't really give a shit about the rest. So it, it, it just depends right. on like the grower and the people. That's why you really got to find that that dispensary that has the product that you know gets you get you high. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag know your terps. Hashtag. It's really <laughs> easy to grow some nice bud and then fuck it up in the drying process. So like, yeah, you could you could grow something that looks really really good, but if you don't smell it, you get home and there's no smell at all. You know, like that was not cured correctly. <laughs> <laughs> and that happens a lot out here. This is a very dry environment. It's not easy to cure cannabis correctly out here. I would say that that's one of like the biggest hurdles that most companies still see is drying, curing, and storing the cannabis in a way that it stays good. It stays at that point, that moisture content that you want from, from the point it leaves the garden to the point it gets in the customer's hand. So the, what's the perfect state for that? Where if, you, if, you're, if it's federally legalized and you were to build a grow operation, what state do you think has the best environment to do that? It's a good question. Somewhere where it's usually 50% humidity, <laughs> I would say. That's what, that's what you want. You want the, the ambient environment to be about 50% humidity. Um, but honestly, you can do it anywhere. You just have to have the right tools and equipment and storage uh, stuff. I, I'm really impressed with the nitrogen sealed cans that some of these companies have as far as like how well it seems to be able to maintain that bud for a long time i've looked at you can look on your can, can, container and see the the batch date oftentimes and and you can see when that cannabis was harvested and, and i've and i've gotten some old ass weed out of those cans 
that was tasted and smelled and and smoked amazing like it was just perfect months later <clears throat> so there's ways to do it uh, how do you I compensate the for the dry environment here when you're doing going through your curing process how do you compensate is that what you asked? yeah for the dry air um really here in colorado it comes down to having environmental controls in every single room that you're going to have cannabis in like you you literally can't have a room that doesn't have humidity controls and temperature controls if they're if you're going to have the flower in that room um because when it even for 10 minutes if you bring some flower into a room that's 20 percent humidity you are destroying terpenes and 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 that bud is drying out quick um, there's something called a vapor pressure deficit, which is the relationship between the temperature and the humidity, which causes <clears throat> something to, uh, you know, different things to transpire moisture faster or, or slower. And so that takes into effect too. So you have to control the temperature as well. Um, so like all of our rooms are humidity controlled, our entire building, every single room is 50% humidity, unless you're walking into one of the, um, the rooms where the plants are growing. Our bedrooms are much higher. Our, our mom room is much higher. Um, yeah. All right, Dave, awesome. so you have another really great question in there. And then I, we'll... one, I actually got literally one last question. I think everybody's uh, questioned out on our, all our uh, platforms. Uh, what are some of the emerging trends in the cannabis industry? Is it heading more towards vape, waxes, or are you seeing a higher demand for flour? Probably better question, um, Courtney. Yeah, so honestly, like right now, um, one of the biggest things that just hit the market is like live resin gummies. And now everybody is trying to, uh, to follow up behind uh, dialed in gummies, which are so, so good. Uh, Harrison, you should try them. I'll get you a sample. Um, what is that? They are, they're, they're made with live rosin. So the high is a lot more pure. I would say it's actually closer to like dabbing. Like it, it's, it's a heavy okay. high. It hits people okay. who aren't super used to edibles, like really hard yeah. to. Um, but they are super delicious. They use sous vide, which is super fancy to um, infuse the oil into the uh, into the gummy. So that means they're 100 homogenous. That's the um, one I got. Remember, I told you about that small dispensary. That's what they did. They did. They made the gummies in the sous vide. Mm, yeah, no, it's a great way to get a homogenous gummy because that's yeah. like one of the biggest struggles um, of edible companies getting formulas right is making sure that you can have one uh, like that that 10 milligram piece better be like equal throughout, you know, so in order to get something 100% homogenous with cannabis oil, um, it's a bit of a challenge sometimes because obviously it's an oil going into other um, uh it doesn't mix well sorry so you got to find ways to make it mix well um but that's this, a super hot trend right now so everybody's trying to now recreate that and get a live resin or a live rosin gummy going um so as far do as you have those available at your store i do um so dialed in is is kind of a hard uh thing to get i will just say that um once they're out they're out um so <laughs> definitely um call ahead to make sure that they're there because once we get them in they fly off the shelf and dialed in is still kind of uh, working out some production stuff so um they're not uh, unfortunately they are kind of out of stock on a, a a regular basis i wish i once we can get it consistently we will keep it in stock consistently but a good problem to have yeah yeah um but they fly off the shelf and they're super good and super worth it so i highly recommend um, the, they are a little more expensive, I will say, but again, worth it. 
Um, and then also flower is never going to go away, you know, so people I think are trying to jump on the next evolution. Um, so branding, people are starting to brand their gardens, um, or trying to kind of find that exclusivity with certain dispensaries so that you can kind of start to have people who are seeking out the dispensaries for either those specific strains or that specific grower. Um, I think that's kind of where the market's heading is just more, um, exclusivity because before it was like, okay, blue dream, I'm buying it from 50 are like five different grows, you know, not a golden goat, you know, a lot of people were sourcing their genetics from very similar places. So I think you're starting to see that shift and change. Um, but yeah, that's really, that's really kind of where it's at right now. There's going to be a regulation change for cartridges again soon. So I'm sure that'll shift that. Um, but other what than that, that, um, July, I believe. What, what is the change though? I wasn't a... No metals. Um, it's going to be ceramic only. Interesting. Which, poses a challenge honestly is uh well for everybody um uh, but consumers i don't think are going to like it because ceramic cartridges tend to clog uh pretty quickly so um i think that'll be people are now be on the next evolution of ceramic cartridge that uh doesn't doesn't do that that consistently goes through you'll get like one out of five that are just like they don't finish to the end and if there's one thing that i know consumers hate it's when you can't get your last little bit of oil in a product that you just paid sixty dollars for so We'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, I, I, our, we at, at our company, we sort of um, we're kind of banking on the idea that the market is going to move towards those vape pens. Like we believe what Courtney said, there will always be a flower market, um, but we think that ten years from now, maybe even sooner, most consumers are going to want a cartridge and a pen. It's uh, it's just easier. It's it's, it's can, you don't agree. I don't agree just because, I mean, cartridges are the things I think that have gone through the most turmoil in the industry, to be honest. I mean, it's true that it's quick, easy, and awesome, but like, come on, Harrison, are you ever going to just switch from a... No, I won't, but I Quick, easy, and awesome is our middle name. Yeah, (laughs) right. I could totally see like the Budweiser slash soccer mom consumer. uh, Oh. As as it becomes more available, I think those are the people that are going to want something quick, easy, they don't want to learn how to roll a joint or pack a bowl or carry a grinder or do all these different things. It's so much easier to just push a button. Um, yeah. I, 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 we, we really think, and I agree that it's going to move towards that for the general consumer as it becomes more wildly, widely available. But I also agree with, with you in that there's always going to be a flower market, especially for connoisseur flower. Um, yeah. Just like there is micro brews, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. But you're right. I think that you're, you hit kind of said it exactly right where I think like cartridges and stuff like that do end up being more like the Coors Light, kind of like Budweiser, not so much like craft buyer, you know, just easy going. Well, I think there's a convenience level. I mean, I have to admit, I love, I'm, I'm a pure flower person. I love smoking, but, but I have had different cartridges at the time. And if you find a good one, I will use it on a repeated basis. I will still come home and smoke my bud or take my butt if I'm going to go someplace like I really want to use it. But just for like when I just want to take a hit walking down the street, the mm-hmm. pen, the vape is definitely something that I enjoy. My most recent thing has been the dab pins, the dab pins where I can put the live uh, uh, resin in there. And just mm-hmm. that's been very convenient. But I think I could buy both. That's the only mm-hmm. thing they do yeah. even more than edibles. And I've had, I've had the edibles that you were talking about. And they are delicious. They're the best kind of edibles that I've ever had the ones done in the sous vide, but um, the, yeah, I think both. I think both I is think. definitely the possibility on that. Yeah, I, I, I smoke are both. pretty big. 
I, I, I smoke a lot of carts, to be honest. So like I, yeah. I smoke a lot of joints and carts and that's. I mean, I guess you kind of put it differently. So I kind of agree with you. I guess more now with the, with like it going federally legal. Um, Cause I, like right now, at least in Colorado, I kind of feel like the cartridges are as, basically as big as they can get. You know, we've done so much to it that, it, I mean, you have live rosin carts, live resin carts, like unless somebody comes up with that like next crazy hot thing, you know? And I think proprietary pens are not ever going to be as big as people want them to it's it's interesting but i'll be it's yeah. fun to see the evolution of it so we'll see how we'll see how it goes <laughs> it's because it's what i was saying i i think you're right it's it's because the consumer is generally uneducated and that budweiser consumer they don't care about the brand they just want to get high They're like does that cart work in my battery then yeah i'll take it Sick. i'll take it yeah <laughs> i can see like a like a bourbon street type when i walk down they give you shots and everything with cartridges and pins, I mean, if you've got some legalization, people could sell different things like you would a shot. You know what I mean? Just going down the street. Yeah. Way easier than you would like loose bud. That's mm -hmm. it's a little tricky, you know, a little trickier. Yeah. But I'm. I, I got I one more know. question, James. Okay. I, I I really wanted to hear about this before we signed off. Um, Harrison, what is it that you're doing with the police department and uh, educating the the police department on marijuana laws? Right. Um, well, I should say since COVID, we, we haven't had a class in like, it's been like 14 months now or something. Um, but prior to that, and, and hopefully coming up soon, I think CDOT just ordered a couple of classes or is thinking about it. Some, something, my, my, the boss, the, the lawyer who actually runs the show over there was telling me that CDOT might be placing quarterly uh, classes. And basically, it's, it's basically Cannabis 101 for police officers um but it's focused around determining whether or not somebody is too high to drive and helping the helping the officers uh you know recognize what that looks like <clears throat> um it's a two-day class officers from all over the country come in sometimes we've done it in california we've done it in vegas uh but most of the time it's here in denver we've we've traveled to multiple cities in Colorado as well. Um, but it's, it's pretty cool, man. Like it's, uh, it's pretty eye opening for a lot of these officers, especially the ones that are coming from out of state that don't have legal cannabis. Like they're these, it's pretty scary sometimes too. Like the, the, how little information or how little these guys know about the drug that they're dealing with. Um, but that's part of the reason why I do it too. Like we've had some, so we've had some like breakthrough moments with some of these officers where they're literally like crying, where they're like, I I've arrested the wrong people. Um, or, or holy shit, I've been doing this wrong or, ju or judging these people the wrong way. Because of, of another part of the class, a big part of the class is that we bring, and this is the part that I, that I operate is that we bring in volunteers to come in and they do, <clears throat> um, it's kind of like a wet lab, which is what the police officers do with alcohol, where they bring people in, they drink alcohol and they, you know, they, they do roadside tests and stuff to determine if they're too drunk to drive. We, we call it a green lab where we bring these people in and they do dabs and they, and sometimes they'll eat edibles and, and, and every now and then we'll throw in a wild card who's like <clears throat> also drinking or maybe just drinking. And, um, and, and they'll, meet the officers sober and then they'll go get high and then they'll come back and to the same officers and do roadside tests and uh 
you know, the, and these guys will ask him questions and sort of learn about these people and, and what, it, what somebody who's really high looks like. <clears throat> um, yeah. So for, for that, for that being high part, we do it twice for the first time I asked people to get, just get high enough where they'd be uncomfortable driving. And then after that, after that session of roadside test, um, we go back and I ask them to just get as, as high as you can, as you, as you can comfortably get without like freaking out or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> And so that way, when they come back in, these police officers can look at someone and be and, and talk to them and interact with them and be like, okay, this this is what somebody who's blazed out of their mind looks like. And and talk you start to them. doing that again. When how do you get this job of the person who goes and gets really high and then comes back? Because that's uh, like, where is my application? Right. Yeah. <laughs> what are the qualifications? Yeah. yeah. I, I was tapping the wrong resources at first. I had a hard time finding volunteers. And then I started posting in Colorado Badge Network, which is a Facebook group. And every time I do that, I get, you know, I, I only ever need like six to 10 people at the most. And, I, and I'll, there, the first time I posted, actually, I got over 100 people that wanted to volunteer. Nice. Um, oh, yeah. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. I couldn't respond to all of them. I felt bad. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, but, but yeah, the answer to your question is to respond to that post before anybody else does, because that's usually how I recruit. Over the years, people have been like, I'll do it. Just remember me. Remember me. But I'm sorry, guys. Like, I'll just say it right now. Like, I don't remember you. I'm <laughs> <laughs> worth remembering because there's so many and I don't, I'm sorry. You just have to get lucky like everyone else. There you go. <laughs> that's great. I always ignore those kind of posts. I better keep an eye out for that shit. Um, all right. So. There's the last watch this transition because I know Dave wanted to desperately do this. I'm sure he had something to talk about getting high and weed. You also sit around and watch TV sometimes. And I would really like to know before we let you guys go, what have we watched recently? And I want to start with actually Dave wrote me a list of how we're going to start this. Harrison, you get to go first. Harrison, okay. what, what, what do you watch? What do you watch? What are you recommending people to get blazed and watch? I'm going to have the worst answers because I, I don't watch a lot of TV and I've been watching like <clears throat> I just paid for Disney Plus. Yes. And I literally have been watching the the Mickey Mouses from like the early 30s, like 1937, 1938. Oh, yeah. And they're pretty they're pretty cool. And they're oh, yeah. in HD and I do recommend them. Um, <laughs> I think you and James just became best friends. Right. Nice. And uh, I, I just started watching season two of Mandalorian last night. I, I'm a Star Wars fan. I, I do like Star Wars, not so much the new movies as much, um, but Mandalorian's pretty good. It's fun. Um, and Baby Yoda is just so fucking cute. You can't not, you know. Oh, you you don't know his name yet, do you? No, I don't know his name yet. Oh my God, he's got a name? He's got a it better name. be Baby Yoda. <laughs> I've watched zero season two years, so that's the interesting thing. And I, I watched the whole first season when it came out. Okay. Yeah, Disney Plus, there's a lot of fun things on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. There's a lot of stuff on there. I have to admit, I have been watching every episode of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers because I fucking love the Mighty Ducks. And <laughs> the show is great. <laughs> How old are you, James? I am 42. Oh, okay. I, so, I remember when the Mighty Ducks, that first movie came out, and I was probably eight or nine. And... <laughs> That shit blew my mind. Changed okay. my life. <laughs> you know what? I used to... I, 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 here's the thing. I love the original Mighty Ducks, and I dismissed the second Mighty Ducks because I was like, it's just the same movie over and over. But it's not. It's actually almost a better movie than the original Mighty Ducks. 
the second you get the knuckle puck. But the series oh, right. is great. D2, Mighty Ducks? Yeah. The quack is back? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the knuckle puck, the introduction of the knuckle puck, yeah, it changed the game. It changed right. the game for the duck. Uh, Courtney, what are you watching? Well, I just had a, I just had Rona, so I watched um, all forty hours of The Crown on Netflix. <laughs> it wow. was awesome. I'm a big British monarchy fan, so I was like, "Yes, <laughs> let's do this." I'm in. Um, also, had you I seen just, any episodes before that? Had you before you got sick? And you, so you, you know, started okay from scratch, all four seasons, hour long episodes. Go. Um, <laughs> the and I also just love Disney movies, so I had uh, in the interim. Um, I watched just like Moana and Coco and uh, Hercules and you know all my babies. <laughs> you guys see Soul? Oh, I fucking love Soul, man! Beautiful tears right here. Yeah. Mm. Trent Reznor. Uh, it's on Oscars Disney Plus coming out on Sunday. Yeah, you can check out. Trent uh, Reznor did that. Trent Reznor, yeah, he did the him and Atticus Ross did the soundtrack for uh, Soul, and they're nominated for Oscar, all the piano and shit. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, Harrison, yeah. watch it. It's good shit. They were they were nominated for two to. movies. Uh, they also did Mank, the soundtrack for Mank, oh. and they're all nominated for an Oscar for that as well. Well, hell yeah, that's freaking Courtney cool. Are Trent Reznor fans from way back in the day, so yeah, that's nice. awesome. I I didn't know that. Oh, he's such a badass. So what I have watched, and then I'm going to let Dave because Dave always watches a bunch of cool different shit. I have to say I've been reality reality showed a little bit. Uh, I got Discovery Plus, and they have a show called Race Around the World, which is like, I don't know if you've ever seen The Amazing Race. It is a British version, and what they do is they start you in one country. Like, the last season, they started in Mexico City, and they had to get all the way to the bottom of Venezuela, like the, the northernmost city in the world. And the only rule is they couldn't fly, and they only had as much money as the plane ticket would be from Mexico City to this town in the middle of Venezuela. So it takes them like two months. They have to take buses. It is a great, it's a British show. So it's Love like, British shows. yeah, British show. Definitely. <laughs> it's only eight episodes, but it's definitely fucking worthwhile. It's not Americans being assholes in other countries. It's British. They're just, being cute. It's so pure. Yeah. I, yeah. I actually, I also was watching the great, or no, the, the pottery throwdown, which is also a British show where they, they do ceramics. It's like the great British bake off, but with uh, pottery. I love the British. Uh, ah. British, British reality TV is reality TV people for people who want the players to be nice, but I also like Americans. So I just started watching the circle season two on Netflix. And if you haven't watched the circle season one, it's like, uh, social network reality show. Everybody's in their own apartment, and you don't see you don't see the people, you don't hear the people. It's basically you're just talking to people through DMs and the couple pictures they have up on their face, and you can vote it out. It's much better than it has the rights to be. So, those are my two things. Dave, tell us what should we really be watching though? Well, besides Falcon and Winter Soldier, which just wrapped up tonight with an amazing season finale uh there is a, a awesome 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 animated show that just dropped on amazon a few weeks ago called invincible uh created by that. robert kirkman and it is fucking fantastic even with falcon the winter soldier it's the best superhero show on television um 
Does Falcon the, and Winter Soldier get better? I gave it three episodes and I'm not into it. It was, it was really good. I liked WandaVision better because it was, they took more of risks and it was more creative. But the season, the rest of the season got really, really good. And it ended mm-hmm. kill, with a killer finale. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, Invincible, not only is it a beautifully drawn and uh, illustrated animated show, the colors are vibrant. The music is amazing. Uh, you have big name Amazon's throwing out a ton of cash to Robert Kirkman. They got all the best voices, but it is a completely unexpected show. It's uh, based on uh, this kid is growing up. His dad is like a Superman figure um, and he's just starting to get his own uh, powers and he's trying to like learn how to be a superhero. Uh, and it was like a great father and son bonding moment. And then the show ended and then after the credits there was like this most bizarre gruesome violent bloody uh just like 10 minutes like it'll leave you speechless like it took such a complete left turn and it set the stage for the rest of the season and you can't stop watching it but amazon chops them up so you have to wait week after week otherwise i would have binged the hell out of the show Mm -hmm. so that is my biggest uh, uh recommendation is invincible on amazon Hell yeah. Mortal Kombat is out tonight on HBO. I'm actually going to go watch that. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Since I'm done here, yeah. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> We're going to check it out tomorrow night as well. Mortal Kombat should be exciting. I do love HBO of media releases. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The Warner Brothers straight to your TV. I'll tell hell you, yeah. though, King Kong vs. Godzilla in the theater was sick. It was so much fun to go back <laughs> to the theater and see that. So Nice. Sitting in my pajamas and getting blazed and watching it was also sick. So I... <laughs> I respect both ends of that. Um, with that, Courtney and Harrison, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'd like you to go ahead and if you have anything that you need to promote, I can't imagine what that would be, Courtney. But if there's anything you'd like to promote, why don't you guys uh, let me know, let our listeners know what to look you. Uh, honestly, we don't even self-promote at all, so I don't, I don't really have anything to promote. <laughs> that is very rare for this show. Even people who don't, I know people who don't do gym. We barely do shit, and they always have something to promote. So, Harrison, that's a that's pretty cool. Courtney, what do you got? Well, you know that I work at Little Botanico, baby. Uh, come on, shop and uh, buy some Clarity Gardens flour. Um, we're gonna have some uh, what space cake next week. Let's go. Space cake, yeah. And, space uh, cake from them next week. And, that's one of my favorite strains, honestly, to smoke out of the new Alien Genetic Library that we have. I guess I'm now I'm promoting myself, but then we that, that weed is some fire, and you should definitely go get some from Lova. They're the only people that have it in the state. It's uh, one of Alien's first drops in, I think, seven years that he's put out a new genetic, and it is fire. It's one of the best ones from his his new library. Their new library, I should say. What's it called? Oh, yeah. When does it come out? It's called Space Cake, and um, I don't know when Courtney <laughs> will be able to get into her show. I was going to say, I... Her. I my week is a little um that's my first week back so i was like i need to go get it from him but i'm gonna i'm going to have it for the weekend so we'll work it out to get it into the stores by friday um saturday the latest so you want to let a brother know when it yeah i'll I'll let a brother know (laughs) i'm all about some space cake that's gonna be some fire we call it the hot fire it's gonna be in our diamond tier but it's the hot fire it's nice (laughs) and and a sunday driver that you're getting is really nice as well too uh, yes, that one's going to be, I think, it just uh, Edgewater and, and, and Colfax, just for everybody's knowledge. It won't be, it'll only be at two of the stores, but that's all right. So that's how it goes sometimes. We'll, we'll, we'll get it, we'll get it expanded eventually. Right, bud? Yeah. 
Hell yeah. Dave, you have you can see with Blaze. Do you have anything great to read? What do you have to promote? Man, thanks for asking, James. I really appreciate that. Um, I am promoting Caldera, uh, available now on Amazon. You can go on to uh, Audible and get uh, that uh, the audiobook version of Caldera is coming out. Um, it's available also on barnesandnoble.com and Fubo. Um, Race Space Event Horizon just came out on Audible as well, so I'm hawking that. So come call there. There you go. Um, my big promotion I'm going to put out there is check out my stores. on. I, I sell a bunch of interesting, crazy shit on eBay, on Mountain Shore. If you like music, we have Mountain Shore Full Circle, which is just old records and old music shit. Um, and then we have Mountain Shore Mama, which has classic dolls. Don't ask me how I came across as many classic antique vintage dolls as I do, but uh, that's where you want to go. And also this week, uh, we did a special 420 James's game. Go check that out. Sam Torrey had a great, hilarious mm. guest on his show last night or on Wednesday great. night. So uh, go check that out. May 7th, we will have an ALS fundraiser here on the Mile High Podcast. Um, if you want to reach us, go to truckypacific.com. You can contact us at the Mile High Podcast at gmail.com. Our Venmo is at truckypacific303. And uh, we got a shout out to our season sponsors, Paul and Betsy Hawkins. Thank you so much. You're the reason we're able to do this. Uh, Courtney, Harrison, Dave, thank you so much for being here on Friday night. And uh, you guys come back. This has been a Truckee Pacific production. For sponsorship inquiries and comments, go to the Mile High Podcast at gmail.com.